0: This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world, proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is outreach.fm. And now here's Pastor William Luffman. Then he said unto them, a certain
1: man made a great supper, everybody say great, and he bade many. That that word "bade" there is an old English word. It means invited. So he sent out a lot of invitations. He he had this enormous supper, and he sent out a bunch of invitations. And he sent his servants at supper time to say to them, "Everyone say say to them." Now I circled that in my Bible. To say to them that were bidden, or that were invited, that were bade again. This is the word bidden. This is the word invited. To those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one excuse, with one consent, begin to make excuse. The first said, "I bought a piece of ground." And this is the kind of stuff that you may run into when you invite people to church or invite people to Christ. You're going to hear a lot of different reasons why people will not or may not accept it, right? Well, I got hurt in church once, or I don't know what I believe, or or you don't know what I've been through. So it, he's given us some other things here, but these are just examples of the fact that people, when you give them invitations, a lot of times will respond with an excuse. Isn't that true? Okay. And, and then verse 19, and another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. Another said, I've married a wife. Uh, And therefore, I cannot come and listen. Uh, I'll just pause for a minute on that one and say this. Uh, You know, we know this, that whether your spouse is serving God or not, you're not excused from serving God. You're not dismissed from serving God just because your spouse may not be serving God right now. But the world will give you these excuses. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant go out quickly into the streets. Now, 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 when are they supposed to go out? Quickly. So there's an urgency here. There's an urgency here. There, there, there's a time factor here that we're dealing with, right? If you're going to, in, in the natural here, he's going to have a supper. It's going to happen. and It's going to happen at a certain time. So, so you're going to you have to go out even quicker now and work harder and faster if, if, because we got to get this place full, right? So he says, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in. Notice now he's saying, not only saying, but now he's saying you might have to bring them. Can you shout amen? So so we're we're not just dismissed with saying to someone. It might be that we have to say, listen, just let me pick you up. Or why don't you come with me? Right? Now, now not, not a lot of Christians aren't doing this nowadays. They're not doing it. And bring them, it says, bring the poor, bring the maim, bring the halt, bring the blind. The servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded. And yet there is room. And how I many of you know there's always room? There's always room for another person in the kingdom of God. And the Lord said to the servant, then go out into the highways. And, and this is, and Hedges, what is he saying? Go, and play, go places that nobody else would even go. Now you're going to have to go out. You might have to go outside of your area of comfort, right? Uh, So so you can't say, well, I invited everybody, you know, that uh, on my job once I invited them and, and I talked to one of my neighbors. But now he said, well, you know what? You might have to even stretch out a little further here, right? So he says, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them. So he said, you're going to have to be a little more compelling You might have to share some of your own life, some of your own testimony. You're going to have to do whatever it takes to get their attention. You you might have to work a little harder. Can you say amen? And uh, he said, have them come in that my house may be Filled. And that is the desire of God to fill the house. Now go to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to give you several scriptures. Now I do know this because just about everybody in this room tonight, and I'm sure a lot that are watching, have been to a lot of these sessions that we've done. So uh, I know that you pretty much know what I'm saying and, and you don't need a lot of convincing. I know that. However, I never, you never know who's going to listen that didn't listen the other time. You never know who's going to listen later on. The thing about the internet now, once these things get out there, they're eternal. I mean, I saw the other day where I was on my Facebook page and it popped up uh, two years ago, something. And it was, a, it was a, one of my sermons. And it had the whole sermon still right there that I, from two years ago. I didn't even have to look for it. So you never know when somebody's going to listen to a message nowadays. They're kind of eternal. But go in here to Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many, everyone say many. many. Many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads to life. And few, everyone say few, few Few there be that find it. Now, I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only, only through the narrow gate. Well, what is the narrow gate? Well, it's the the cross of Jesus Christ. It's salvation through Christ. It is through the word of God. It's that way. Someone said to me the other day, I was, I, I I want to share this with you. We had a guy come to our house uh, this is our exterminator who comes monthly and you know takes care of all the stuff outside and sprays around and all that and uh, he asked if he could come and give me a free estimate for termite I already have termite inspection every year and uh, I I wasn't home, Pastor Ginger agreed to let him come he came, I was there he came downstairs, he may come to church here by the way so I won't tell you his name And I won't tell you his company, but he came and he came downstairs to inspect for termites and he started to talk to me. He said, well, I know you're a pastor. He'd been there once before and we talked and he knew I was a pastor. He said, well, I know you're a pastor. Can I ask you something? I said, sure, anything. So he asked me a couple things and then he, then he, he asked me about, you know, church and ministry and all that. And then he told me that he had been raised in a certain religion, which I won't disclose and uh, we got to talking about, uh, and he was telling me, he said, well, you know, right now I think I'm an agnostic. What, what is an agnostic? It's someone that doesn't, they're not sure. They don't know if they believe in God or not. An agnostic is not an atheist. An atheist declares there is no God. An agnostic is not sure of what they believe. You now that word gnostic means knowing. They're not sure. They're not really, they weren't, they're not really convinced. And he began to tell me why, and he was raised in a certain religion and he had some bad experiences and, and all these kinds of things. And he said, well, you know, I was thinking the other day though, he said, but isn't it this way that, you know, Buddhism has, uh, and they, and, 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 and he was trying to say, aren't they all the same? And they're just pointing to, to, to heaven. I said, well, no, <laughs> there is one grand distinction That separates Christianity from all other forms of isms. And there are literally hundreds of thousands of these in case you didn't know it. But it separates it from every other theology, every other religion, every other spirituality. Christianity has a very distinct difference from all of them in that we believe our God was actually born incarnate on this planet, lived and went to a cross and died for our sins and was raised from the dead. None of the rest of them even come close to having that. And so we, so what happened was I won't, I don't have time to give you the whole conversation, but we wound up talking for like an hour and a half. He looked at his watch and he said, and then he said, you know what? I know this is strange, but, but I believe I'm going to start praying. I said, you should start praying. Because when we stood there for that hour and 20, 30 minutes, I'm sure I preached about a dozen mini sermons to him. I didn't mean to, but he'd bring up a subject and something would jump out. You know how it is. If it's in you, it comes out. But he said, no, no, please don't stop. And uh, I gave him the illustration that I give at every funeral that I've given in here a thousand times. I said, well, I said, here's the difference too, though. I said, you better understand that your mortal body, this is not who you are. See, the person you look at in the mirror in the morning, this is not you. This is your body. Your body is not you. Do you not understand that? You better hope your body's not you. Because one day your body's going to quit. One day your body's going to stop. You better hope that you is not your body. You better hope your body is something that you are using to walk through a period of time. Because what you are is you are a spirit you live in a body and you have a soul. And I said, of course, one day you're going to die. I said, the Bible says our life is like that. It's like a mist. You see it and it's gone. Talking about the life. I said, but what happens afterwards is eternal. And I could tell that he was really and, and, and I talked about that. I said, and I even quoted these scriptures. I said, you know, I said, well, think about this. You're talking about all these religions and you're saying, well, aren't they all the same? I said, no. I said, the Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many people going that way. But narrow is the way that leads to life. And in comparison to the number here, it's actually considered few compare, compared to this number that leads to life. And there's a, it's a straight gate. There's only one way to get there. Straight meaning one path. That's what that word straight means in the Greek. There's only one path that leads to life. That's what the word straight means in the Hebrew or the Greek there. Now, let me read this to you from the New Living Translation. It says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, the highway to hell. I'm wondering if ACDC got their title here. The highway to hell is broad. Broad. And its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. So I was thinking of that. And so today we were eating lunch in Nashville. We had an appointment in Nashville that kept us there most of the day. And we were eating lunch in Nashville at this particular restaurant. And I didn't like where they seated us. And I should have said something. And normally I do. Normally it's like, no, I don't want to be seated here. You know, it's okay to say that. Well, they, they, there was this one place where they had a lot of tables and they were only about a foot apart and they seated us. There. And I don't like that. I want a little privacy. You know, I don't, I don't want to be smelling what that guy's eating there and I don't care about what this person's saying right over here beside me. It's almost like they're sitting at your table. But I allowed them to sit us there and we did. And I looked over to my right and there was this couple probably uh, maybe in their 20s, I'm guessing, or maybe early 30s. And they were both drinking. Now, it's like lunchtime. And they're, they're slugging down the beer. And I look over here and another lady comes in with another woman and they're all just a few feet from us. And she's ordering wine or something for, for, and I'm thinking, my God in heaven. And I, and I'm not, I mean, you know how I feel about the alcoholics anyway, but, but I'm sitting there thinking, and then I heard some of their conversation. I didn't, I wasn't eavesdropping, but I mean, I mean, I could almost smell their breath. They were close to us. And I'm hearing their conversation, and these people over here they at first they had no one at their table. this couple uh, but then a couple of young ladies joined them that I assumed were their kids, uh, so they, they were like young teenagers, I'm guessing, just young, very young they're not they're not little kids, but they were young, and I guess they they were probably in their thirties, so these these were probably fourteen, I don't know whatever kid. and I heard the mom say. Well, honey, you know, uh, if you want to have something to this, if you want to have fun, uh, Nashville has party buses and I don't know if you've ever been in downtown Nashville and seen this, but it is a sight. Now I'm not going to ask you if you've ever been on one. I'll, I'll leave that between you and God. Okay. I'm just glad you're at church. If you have, it's okay. In the sense that I'm glad you're at church now and you're not there, but I remember I was, I had pastor Alan Julian a few weeks ago and I took them to downtown Nashville to uh, eat at this one place that's supposed to be kind of famous for barbecue. And and they seated us upstairs. And when we were there, we were looking down on Broadway and we looked down there and here came three or four of these party buses. And they're up there and they're slugging it around. And and this is only a few weeks after they had a report that somebody fell off of one of them and got ran over. (laughs) Now you say, pastor, why are you saying this? Listen to me. Here's why I'm saying this. A lot of people are lost and they don't even know it. Now, I don't don't mean to be harsh and judge those people seated here or these people seated here, but based on their conversation and based on what they were doing at lunchtime, not not later in the day. And by the way, somebody in both of these groups is about to go out and get in a car and go driving. Hello, right? Based on that, it's like the Lord spoke to me and said, There are a lot of people. Broad is the way that leads to destruction and many there be that go therein. But narrow is the way that leads to life and only a few in comparison will find it. And it just reminded me about how many people in this world are lost and most of them don't even know they're lost. Some of them have even been told by weak preachers That they're okay. But the Bible says here, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go therein. Now, why would I bring that up? To once again, for everyone online and in this room, to feel some urgency. So that we don't just walk by people every day and forget that many of them are probably on the highway to hell unless something happens to change their course. Now, we need to be determined and dedicated to be that something. Now, even if it's no more than just like one thing that I always do when I go into a public place, I pray over my food. Now, I don't make a big scene and I don't get up and get real loud so people will see me, but I don't tone it down and go. I don't do that either. I'm not a secret agent prayer. Where I act like I'm sneezing and I'm praying in my mouth so nobody will hear me. I don't do that either. I pray in a normal tone before Almighty God. And you'd be shocked sometimes how just something simple like that can witness to somebody. Can you shout amen? Or you go to your relatives and you're around them. I've got some relatives that sometimes you get ready to sit down to eat. And they're wolfing down the food for you. They even sit down to the table. We'll go. I always say, excuse me, excuse me uh, we're going to pray here. Okay. I mean, you you don't have to, but I'm telling you, I'm going to pray here. I mean, you know what I'm saying? See, I mean, it's part of the testimony because a lot of people are on their way to hell and they don't even know it. Can you shout amen? Amen. Let's go back to Ezekiel. I read this scripture to you once or twice in this series and I'm just, this is probably more considered a review message tonight than anything, but we need the review. Amen. Because I think I've given you some scriptures in this series, I would think, that some of you haven't considered before. Like this one here, I'm going to give you over in Ezekiel 33, 7 and 8. And even though I've read it to you before and here during this series, I'm almost sure that you haven't looked at it the way that we're talking about it in this, in this series. Ezekiel 33, verse 7, it says, So thou, O son of man, I've set you as a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear the word at my mouth. Listen to this. And what are you supposed to do with it? Shout it. Shout it out loud. So, so God says, when you hear what I say, I'm telling you so you can warn them. Warn them. Look at the next verse. It gets stronger. When I say unto the, this is God speaking. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. Now, then God's talking to us. If you, talking to you and me, if you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. Now, can it be any plainer that we have to be warning people? And we're afraid to do this in today's society. We're afraid to. Speak out at all. We're afraid to, of course, everybody else isn't. Boy, I could say a lot right there, but I'm sure I'd draw some fire if I did. But I'm so tired of everybody else having freedom of speech and God's people being quiet. I'm so tired of everybody else throwing any crazy, I'm going to go ahead and say it, crazy, nonsensible, illogical, irrational thing out there. As if it's truth. And then when somebody wants to come back with God's word, they actually want to devour and attack you. Now am I speaking? Is that, is, that's pretty much where we are. Amen. No matter which side you are on in the Roe versus Wade deal, I think the Bible's extremely clear about this, by the way. Just so you know, when we're talking Bible, we're not talking about... Gloria Steinem here. We're talking the Bible. I preach the Bible. I don't preach somebody else's philosophies or their ideas, but even whatever side you're on, I I respect people that don't agree with me. I totally do respect them, but I'm not going to allow you then to get venomous towards me. If I'm going to respect your view, then I expect some respect on my side too. I totally can sit down with people that absolutely don't agree with me. I promise you I can sit with people that have a totally different view and not fuss and argue and condemn and and get harsh. But at the same time, I have a right myself too. Freedom of speech is supposed to be for every American. Not just the trending part on social media or in Hollywood or in film or or in, in entertainment. Now, some of you are grunting there. I don't know if that's a, I don't know what, I would have expected an amen or two right there from somebody. But people are on their way to hell. That's a fact. And we have to warn them. Well, to warn somebody, you're going to have to speak up. Not condemn. He didn't say condemn. You need to say to them, if you die in your sins, you don't have to just, listen, do, do you understand? If you die in your sins, you, you, you're you're going to, be eternally damned do you understand that? well I don't believe it that's fine but I'm just telling you my job is at least to tell you you have a right to reject it you have a right to choose whatever you want to do with that but I have a responsibility to warn can you shout amen um I'm trying to pick and choose here because you know me I have tons of stuff The word preach appears 112 times in the New Testament. I told you this, 112 times in the New Testament. The word preach appears 106 times. It is either directly or indirectly referring to witnessing, not just pulpit preaching, to announce, to tell people. In that sense, everybody is a preacher. We're all called to witness. It's, it's just part, it should be, an, it should be part, it should be understood that when I accepted salvation into my life, I also accepted the call to tell others about it. As well. The word witness, as I told you, appears 175 times in the New Testament. Now, the New Testament is very small in comparison to the Old Testament. It's 29 books, but most of the books are very short compared to the Old Testament where you have some really long books with lots of chapters. So in just that small part of the New Testament, 175 times, the word witness appears because God expects us to understand that's part of what we're to do. Can you shout amen? Amen. Now, um, again, go to Luke chapter 10 real fast, real fast. Now I know again that most everybody in here and many of much of the audience watching tonight, I don't need to do a lot of convincing. I, I don't believe that I don't believe that you're having a lack of agreeing with what I'm saying, but it has to be even more than that. It has to be something that is motivating you to action. Uh, it's great as a preacher to get amen's. I told you it really does help you kind of Keep, keep, your, keep your energy going, it really does, so on and so forth. But, but, but my intent for preaching is not for you to like what I'm saying so much as it is to get it. Amen. And not only get it, but understand now I have to run with it. So I know that when you preach a series this long or some of the ones, it seems like the last two years we have gone into some really long series that I never expect to go into. I promise you, I've got a lot of sermons to preach. It's not because I don't have anything to preach. I've got sermons just stewing right now that have been on the back burner forever that I'm waiting to preach. But I just have felt this last couple three years like the Lord had said, the body of Christ has really got to get their act together. We really have to. Uh, again, I'm not here to entertain you. All right, so here in Luke 10, we've read this before. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70, sent them two and two before his face to every city and place where they would find Himself. And therefore said he, uh, he said this to his disciples, the harvest truly is what? Shout it. So again, there, no matter what you think, No matter how much you think no one wants to hear about your God or your Christ, that that is a lie from hell. There may be many who do not want to hear it, but there is also a great number that are waiting to hear it. It says the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. So as I've said in many other sermons, I know that I've said this, we have a labor shortage. We don't have a harvest shortage. I went to an appointment way down in the country. It was in this really obscure place. Uh, what was that on a couple days ago? Not yet. Of course. Yeah. A couple days ago. And, uh, I had to pass through, man, I passed through. So I thought, man, there's some cornfields here. I mean, it was like cornfield, 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 cornfield. And, uh, and that corn was, despite all the lack of rain, it was really, it sprouted way up there. And, uh, and that corn looks great. And, I, and it looks like it's probably about a month away from being completely mature. But if somebody doesn't go out there when that, when that corn matures, that crop's going to die. It looks beautiful right now. It's, I mean, there'll be thousands and thousands of ears of corn. There's no question about it. But despite it being there, unless they have someone ready to go harvest that, you know, a machine or whatever they're going to do, something, it's going to have to be harvested it'll, it'll die on the vine. And every day we're passing by fields of people. Every day we're passing by people. And some of them are so close. They're so close. One more person to say something, one more person to pray over them, one more person to love on them for a minute and just share a little bit, one more could be all the difference in them coming in or them dying on the vine. Can you say amen? Uh, What else did I want to say out of that? Let's go and let's look at verse nine because Jesus said to them, you know, heal the sick, uh, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Let them know the kingdom of God is, 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 is ready for them. There, they are. Re- God has already made a place for them in the kingdom. And we're to preach that to them. Can you shout, Amen? Now, let's see. So it's our business. We're all sent to the lost. We've talked about that quite a bit. doesn't matter if they reject the invitations. We have to keep passing them out no matter what. We keep delivering the mail, delivering the mail. I know you know the story because I told it four or five times about the man that that had been committed, you know, had uh, been convicted of murder, happened in, in Tennessee years back. It's a true story. I know I told you. And he got convicted of murder. But this back in the 60s, they found out he didn't do it. And he'd been serving 10 years on a penal farm somewhere. And... Uh, And so they sent the letter to the person in charge there and said, he has been released. Notify him that as of such and such a day, uh, the charges are dropped and he's released. And the letter came in and the letter stayed in the office for years. And they didn't even deliver. And finally, one day somebody was looking and they discovered the letter. And that man had been in there for years. He stayed years longer serving a sentence that he'd already uh, been acquitted of because someone didn't deliver the mail. And you and I can say to people that are lost or people that are bound in the world, guess what? You've already, God's already paid the price. It, God's already made a provision for your salvation. It's up to us to deliver that mail. We got to deliver that mail. I was at my dental office uh, earlier this week. I've had a busy week. Uh, I had to have a root canal. I many not even know how much fun those are. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Say, man. I was with Pastor Ginger today. She had to have a, a checkup. And I said, will you look at this thing? Because it's been three or four days. And then he said, yeah, well, they, you know, they had to do this. And he, there's a reason why you're still feeling a little. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But the thing I loved when I walked into my, my dentist's office was he has Christian music playing in there. I mean, the whole time. While you're there the whole time. When he comes back, comes back to me, He says, hey, brother, how you doing? And we talk a little bit about God. And I thought about, man, how wonderful it is. And he said, and I know a lot of people go in there that aren't Christians too, but he's, he's not ashamed. You go to see Dr. Fryer. Dr. Fryer, when I go to see him, I don't go very often, thank God. Very healthy, but he prays with you. Amen. You See, we can't be ashamed. You can't be ashamed. We're not trying to force anything on anybody, but, but we can't be ashamed. We can't hide this. We read the scriptures and you don't hide a lamp. You don't hide that. That You don't put it under a bushel. You don't take a candle and, and you don't light it and then hide it. I mean, it's, it's there to give light. Amen. Can you shout amen? amen? All right, real quickly, let's look at, uh, let's go to Acts chapter 4. And again, we're just kind of purposely reviewing tonight as I believe we're coming to the end of this series, but I hope the end of this series means the beginning of an onslaught of evangelism. I pray that the end of this series does not cause it to pass from your thought and pass from your mind and pass from your life. I hope now you say, I've been armed and I've been loaded with this and now I have to start doing something. Amen. We have to start, we have to start, you know, the Bible says out of the performance, it it uses that expression in the New Testament, out of the performance of it, it says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, it's not just the readiness or the willingness, it says out of it must come a performance of it. So it's not just, it's not enough to know it, it's not enough to be willing, but then there has to be a performance of it. It's what the scriptures say. Amen. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. This really does summarize what I said earlier when I met with that young man in my basement. By the way, to, to sum that up, I didn't know if I told you this. Uh, I think I did, but when he looked down, he said, uh, I got to go. This appointment was only supposed to last an hour. and I've been here an hour and 20 minutes. I said, I don't have any termites. Tell him that I told you everything's fine. And, and you. he goes, you sure?" I said, yeah, man. I said, God had something bigger planned today than you looking at my house for termites. Amen. He said, I got to go. I said, go, man. Praise God. But this is what we were talking about as I told you, verse 12. Look at verse 11. This is the stone talking about Jesus, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. In other words, you dismiss Jesus, but he's actually the cornerstone. Everything's built upon him. And notice what it says there. Neither is there, what's the first word there? Neither is there salvation in any other For there is none, notice this word, neither, none, any. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Can it be any clearer? Now, I know the argument for people that don't believe in, well, that's just your Bible. But I mean, that's not, of course, your Bible says that. Okay, but, but, okay, but, but this is what we believe. Now, the one thing that, that we also have that they won't understand unless they do get enlightened is we also have an experience. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we don't just have words. Now, we have lots of words. There's lots of words here. But I realize anybody could write, anybody theoretically, could write a book to confirm their beliefs. I get it. And that's the way they kind of look at us. Well, of course, your book has your beliefs. But that, who's, who's to say? But one thing they cannot uh, right, rightfully dismiss is we also have an experience. When I got born again, I didn't get born again with words. I got born again on the inside. Something literally changed in me. Undisputedly. No question about it. You, you could do anything you would to try to talk me out of it, but, but you just couldn't. Because it, it happened. It was an experience. Now, if it was only my experience, then again, you could say, well, but but it's not just my experience. It is hundreds of millions, even billions of people over time that have had this same experience. Can you say amen? Uh, Let's see. Let me look at one other scripture here real fast. And again, I'm looking at my time and we'll get, we'll get done pretty quickly here, but just stay with me, bear with me just a little bit longer, uh, because isn't it great go, go over to Acts chapter 11. I've given you this scripture many times, but I want to just give it to you again, since you're taking notes, maybe you can have some of these highlighted specifically this is the story here, of course, Peter, and he has the vision and he's at Joppa and, and we know all of this. And God speaks to him and tells him, you know, what I've cleaned, don't you call unclean and so on and so forth. And, uh, and then they send, uh, you know, three men came to his house and so on and so forth. And notices, and he appeared to us how he had seen an angel in his house, Peter, had seen him, which stood and said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Who will tell you words, this is verse 14 of Acts 11, I know I've given it to you before, who will tell you words whereby you and all your house shall be saved. Tell you words whereby you and your house, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Remember, we we started out by saying, tell them, say unto them, give them words, give the world, give the lost world, could be your own house, could be your own family, could be anyone, God God has given us words to tell them whereby they may be saved. And the wonderful thing is it will work for every single human being on planet earth. These words work for anybody that will confess them. What words? Well, the best place to direct them is to go to Romans chapter 10. We won't go there. But the Bible says in Romans chapter uh, 10, you can re- read verses 8, 9, and 10 and go all the way up to verse 13. That if you'll confess with your mouth and believe with the, in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For where the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then it says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you go down it even says it again like in verse 13. So Romans 10 around verses 8, especially 9 and 10 and up to 13. Those are great verses to show people about this is how you do it. If you say with your mouth, you know, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. It's a pretty simple, actually, simple procedure. Can you say amen? Now, again, I'm trying to cherry pick the little bit of time we got left here. And uh, I hope that what this will do is provoke you. Um, Matthew thirteen forty four says again. Matthew thirteen forty four again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field. So it is hidden. It is hidden. Not everybody can see it unless they have some help. But it's hid in a field. That which that when a man has found it. He, he hides and, uh, and for the joy that goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's when you, it's this thing of showing people the value of being a believer, the value of being a Christian. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, I love this. I know I gave you this illustration, but I had to put it back in here about Dwight L. Moody. Who of course, in 40 years of ministry, won millions of people. To, to Christ in his day and uh, I told you this how he preached to 20,000 people a day in Brooklyn and admitted only non-church members by ticket I love that and he, he only would let non-church members come into his meetings 20,000 a day showed up and he won millions to Christ can you say amen you know I've learned this if you've got water and someone is thirsty, they will find you. If you've got something someone needs and they don't have it, they will listen to you. They'll hear what you have to say because they realize you have something that they don't have. And if they don't know how to get it, they certainly will listen to what you have to say. But you need to let them know you have something. All right, Amen you're not like the world you're in the world but you're not of it why is it that you're not worried why is it that you're not in fear why is it that you're not coming apart at the seams why 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 again in my conversation with phil today he said uh uh pastor i know is, i know this about pastors i've been in church all my life basically uh, and i've traveled the world and i've been with thousands of pastors pastors are always dealing with something and i said it's absolutely true um Someone said this the other day and I thought, of course, it was, it was someone who knew because they had been in ministry a long time. They said, no one will ever understand the cost of being in ministry. When they said it, a tear almost came to my eye. I thought, you know, that is such a true and powerful statement. No one will ever understand the cost of being in ministry because the cost never stops. It's not something you can pay for once and no, no, no. It's continual. But he said to me, he said, but one thing I do know, the longer you are in ministry, the more the storms have less effect on you. So I'm up here to publicly announce to you that I'm in perfect peace. Just so you know, I'm in absolute perfect peace. I'm sleeping well at night. I'm eating well during the day. My prayer life's not affected a bit. I'm praying just like I always did. When I went to Florida, I preached as hard as I could there. I prayed for everybody in this house every single day. I am not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm not moved by what I hear. And one reason I'm not moved by what I hear is because I don't listen to a lot. I try to spend more time listening to God than not. Or listening to gossip or listening to something else. Amen. You know, the Bible says as long as you're on this earth, it's impossible, but offenses will come. But here's, here's the thing about an offense that you got to be, everybody's got to be careful. All of us, I have to be careful. We are, everybody on planet earth has to be careful not to take on an offense because someone much smarter than me defined it this way. If you take on an offense, it's as if you drink poison and expect the other person to die. That's what happens when you take on an offense. You drink the poison and you're expecting someone else to die and it's not going to work that way. Amen. Now the reason I say all that is we don't have time. I don't have time and you don't have time to get caught up in these last days. We've got a lost world that's dying at a record rate out there that has to hear the gospel. It can't be about me it can't be about how i feel what i think what it's going on around I, I cannot allow that to take a root inside of me because i know i have to reach more people for christ love everybody i love everybody that comes to church here and you may not believe this i love everybody who left here over the years i just do you're not going to suck me into the, into the, into the mire. I don't, I don't function that way. And I can't, and neither can you. We've got to concentrate on the lost. Amen. We've got to concentrate on the fact that I know all of us probably still have, first of all, family members. That we certainly have promises. We have promises of God, but even the promises aren't automatic. We've got to keep praying and standing in faith to get them all into the ark. And then we've got lost world that we go in contact with every day. I can't afford to have an off day where I'm moping or I'm depressed and I go out somewhere and God intended for me to be a witness but I'm not very good because I'm moping. I can't do that. It doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter how I feel. Amen. Don't you love the Lord? Don't you love church? Praise God. I love church. Some of the greatest things that ever happened in my life happened in church. Praise God. All right. Romans 5, 12 says, whereby as by one man, sin entered into the world. It's talking about Adam's sin. That one man, he opened the gate for sin to come on every human ever born on planet earth and death by sin, but also death passed upon all men for all that have sinned. And then it goes on to say, but Christ, life has come through Christ. Just as, Sin and death came through one man. Life came through one man, through Christ. Read the book of Romans. It's very clear about this. Can you shout amen? Again, I'm almost done. I'm looking at just a couple of verses here to get us to the finish line. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Fear not them in verse uh, Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 10, 28. Matthew 10, 28. And fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Hmm. There's a lot in that verse if you just drink it up a little and think about it. We spend so much time worrying about us and our body and what anybody's doing, trying, whatever. Fear not them which are able to kill the body but but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We better understand that the body is not what we are fighting for. It's the soul that we are to fight for because the soul is, you know, part of our makeup is, is eternal. Um, there are 162 references to hell in the new Testament alone, 162. And most churches today don't even mention hell that, that you'll never hear the preachers talk about hell. You'll never hear them say anything about hell because they want everybody to feel warm and comfy and 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 nice and sweet and and be able to take you know selfies and feel good about themselves and because we're in the house of god and and God loves us and 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 that's what that's what the that's that's what's out there now, but there's a hell, and there are days when I think about my own self am I ready even at this level having't done this for I just turned forty six in spiritual years back uh what three days ago what is this? 30th. Yeah. Uh, June 27th. I, I and there's still days where I have to check myself and, you know, am, Lord, am I right here? Cause you know, whew, your flesh can make you crazy sometimes and I don't, that's not that, but make you really, you, you gotta, you gotta stay focused. Your flesh will pull you. Nobody is beyond losing it. Now I know there's people that don't believe you can, but, but the Bible's, pretty clear about that issue too but i say all that to say 162 references to hell now out of those 162 almost half of them 70 of them were spoken by jesus christ jesus talked a lot about hell and had a lot of warnings about it so again we've got to understand the urgency of reaching the lost can you shout amen all right Final scriptures, we've read them many times, but I just felt like if I was going to end this series, we'd have to end them with these verses. Go to Isaiah. I felt like these, are again, were verses that probably we haven't looked at in times past when it comes to preaching on winning the loss or evangelism. Um, but I thought this was a really good, a good way to stop here. So in Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45 verse 20 assemble yourselves okay so first of all this tells us we need to be together we need to come to church the thing that's disappointed me most about COVID is how convenient it's made it for a lot of God's people to not come I'm okay with people watching online I'm grateful that they do I'm grateful that we have a lot of people that watch I'm very grateful and I understand that when you cannot be here, thank God for the tool. Thank God for the, for the ability. But God never intended for your phone or your TV screen to take the place of you being in the house of God. If you can physically be in the house of God. There are things the Holy Spirit will deal with you about when you're in the house of God that you may not pick up on while you're sitting at home with a dog in your lap and a bowl of Cheetos over here. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, I don't know. I might have just seen something in the spirit there. I don't know. But there is just, it's not the same attitude. of When you've disciplined yourself enough to get up even if you've had a long week and you're tired and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera, and now you've put on some clothes and you've gotten your car and you've driven that $5 a gallon gas and you've because you don't mind doing that for the mall and everywhere else and you've been willing to come to church and you come and park your butt in a chair where you have to be disciplined and you have to sit and listen and not not you can't eat Cheetos and you can't you know get up and go to the bathroom 15 times and you can't you know pause it and and, and go do something else for a while and then come no 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 you have to come in and sit, you know. Boy, oh boy, I'm in a little frisky tonight now. Everybody sitting in here ought to be shouting amen because you're here. Cause you good. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm good. You good? Assemble yourselves and come. All right, so that's what we just talked about. And come. Draw near together. Draw near together. Verse 20. You that are escaped of the nations. They, talking about the world now. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image. And they pray unto a God that cannot save. Now, just about everybody in the world has a God. But they're praying to gods that cannot save. Verse 21, what are we supposed to do? Tell you, this is what we're supposed to do to these people. Tell you and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? God said, have not I the Lord. Now this is God speaking about his own self. And there is no God else. Beside me, a just God and a Savior, and there is none beside me. Verse 22 Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Verse 23 I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness. And shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow every tongue. See, we thought that was the New Testament. That was Paul repeating something from the book of Isaiah. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue he used the word swear here or say it. When you swear, it means, I mean, yes, he's God. Verse 24, surely shall one say in the Lord have I righteousness and strength, even to him, now he's talking about us, if we talk about God, that he is one, he's the righteous God, it says, even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. Can it be any clearer? Can it be any more obvious that we have a job to do? We have an assignment. None of us are exempted. You cannot use the, I'm an introvert. I'm not a sanguine. I don't have, I'm phlegmatic. I'm I'm whatever it is you are. I I took this personality thing and I don't talk to people and I'm very into my, God's not going to let you use that one. Because I guarantee you talk about the movie you got excited about. Talked about the Elvis movie or whatever it is you like. The song you heard on the radio. The series you binged when you wouldn't come to church on Sunday, but you watched 18 hours of a binging. Man, I'm frisky tonight. Right? So everybody that says, well, I I don't do well with people and I'm very quiet and to myself and I don't talk. God's not going to let you off. God's not going to let you off. You're going to have to be, and here's how you do it. Just be sensitive to the spirit of God. You'll be surprised if you say to God, God, here am I. Send me. Use me. I'm willing. And you'll be shocked how God will give you opportunities. And he'll even give you some opportunities that you'll be comfortable with for a little while. Because he wants to ease you in. And after a while, you'll get pretty, you'll get pretty bold. And you'll get pretty confident. And you won't be ashamed. And you won't be afraid that they might shun you or they might not invite you with the group next time or whatever it is that causes you not to to do it. You'll say, no, man, I mean, broad is the way that leads to destruction. There's a lot going that way. But there's another way that's straight. There's only one, but but there's a few. I'm going to help them get there. You found it.
0: If you found it, they could find it. You've been listening to the outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a adoseofhope.com. You've been listening to outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.